So as we've said today, we're focusing on the theme of Palm Sunday. See, your King comes to you, to be for you. And there are two Bible readings today that um, give a, I guess, a taste and a context of our King coming. Um, and the first one is from uh, Zechariah, who is a prophet in the Old Testament. And after the temple was rebuilt yet again, um, he wanted to give the children of Israel a promise of their saviour. So this is from Zechariah 9, 9 to 10. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. And then in Matthew 21, 1 to 11, we read about the fulfilment of this prophecy. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord has need, needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfil the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees that spread them, and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the centre of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazarene, Nazareth in Galilee. Just like to invite Pastor Stephen Ford. And just before you start, we'd just uh, like to pray. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Stephen. We thank you for the words that you're going to give to us through him. Open our ears, open our hearts. Open our minds to receive your eternal wisdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay and Julie. Well, I bring to you grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be focusing on, on both those readings this morning. But, but first, in Zechariah, we heard it, we'll hear it again. City of Zion, be full of joy. People of Jerusalem, shout, see your king comes to you. He always does what is right. He has won the victory. He is humble and riding on a donkey. He's sitting on a donkey's colt. Um, I'm assuming that you've celebrated Palm Sunday before, yes? 
So you're very familiar with the image of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, aren't you? It's, it's one of those enduring images uh, that we have in, in all humility, he coming into Jerusalem. But Zechariah spoke these words centuries before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. So what was the context when Zechariah first spoke these words? What scene was he referring to? What royal coronation was he witnessing that made him so excited, so full of joy? Any ideas? Don't call out too loud. Because the answer is none. Zechariah had never witnessed the coronation of a king of Israel, and he never would. The last king of Israel, Zedekiah, had been dethroned by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon decades before Zechariah was even born. At that time, the king's sons, who would have taken over from him, one of them at least, were killed before his eyes, and then the king's eyes were torn out, so it was the last thing he ever saw. Bit brutal, isn't it? I mean, we've got the shenanigans of the royal family happening at this time, which is probably more painful than brutal, but (laughs) I, I digress. After the dethronement of the last king of Israel, every significant building in the city of Jerusalem, which was the heart and soul of the nation, was torn to the ground. And the people were taken off into that Babylonian captivity for the next 50 years. It was after this return from captivity when the prophet Zechariah lived. He was involved in the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem where its walls were rebuilt, the buildings were rebuilt, and eventually the temple also was rebuilt. He was involved in the ministry of bringing God's scattered people back together. They had all the infrastructure in place, but what they didn't have, the one thing they didn't have, was a king to rule over them, to lead them. And until they had that, they would basically be an illegitimate nation. So Zechariah foretold a time when the royal city of Jerusalem would once again rejoice greatly because a king would come to them. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, it didn't happen in Zechariah's lifetime. Didn't happen in plenty of other lifetimes after his. In fact, by the time Jesus entered Jerusalem, more than 500 years had passed since Zechariah first uttered these words, 500. There'd been no king in Israel for all of that time, not one. That's a long wait with an unfulfilled prophecy sitting over your heads. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem after those five centuries of waiting, the the prophecy of Zechariah was finally being realized. See, your king comes to you. 
Up to this point in time, Jesus had been known as a rabbi, a teacher. He'd been known as a a healer, a, a miracle worker. He'd even been referred to as one of the prophets. So when he asked his disciples, who, who do people think I am or saying who I am? Uh, they said, oh, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the, the prophets. And he said, yeah, but what about you? Who do you think I am? And Peter's confession was, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. These are all noble titles helping to describe the priestly, prophetic and messianic roles of Jesus. But as he prepared to enter Jerusalem at the climax of his ministry, he wanted there to be no room for misunderstanding. He was coming to Jerusalem in royal procession as the king. See your king comes to you. All four gospel writers record the triumphal entry and all four of them refer to the donkey. Now in John's account, we simply say that, uh, you know, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. But in Matthew, Mark and Luke, uh, they go to great efforts to explain how Jesus went to great extremes in order to arrange this particular mode of transportation. Because Jesus knew the Zechariah prophecy, this unfulfilled prophecy just sitting there waiting and he choreographed his entry into Jerusalem in this way to signal to all who had ears to hear and eyes to see that the king had come. See, your king comes to you. He passed through the crowds as they spread their cloaks on the road and waved their palm branches. He he heard their shouts of praise. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It sounds very impressive, doesn't it? What we'd expect from a royal procession in those days, even in these days in certain contexts. Jesus appeared to receive the adulation of the crowds. But we know it was pretty short-lived, don't we? We're entering into Holy Week and by the end of this week, the crowds are going to play a different role. A crowd would be present at his arrest, seeking it. A crowd would be present at his trial, demanding his crucifixion. A crowd would be there at the foot of the cross, hurling insults at him and calling on him to save himself. See, your king comes to you. Here was a king who was making himself accessible to the people in all humility, but after their initial welcome, they rejected him. There'd be no resounding endorsement from the masses giving this king a mandate to rule. Is it any different now? Today, does our world give Jesus a mandate to rule? I think the only difference is that that Jesus wouldn't even be welcomed in the first place if he rode into town. We don't have a lot of respect for kings and queens, certainly not in Australia, it seems. For presidents, oh, they're top of the list of popularity, aren't they? Uh, Governments, politicians... 
Our ideal leader is probably someone who creates the best environment for us to actually lead ourselves. We want to be our own kings, our own queens. So don't mess with our superannuation. Make sure the inflation rate, the costs of living are kept in check. Give us the benefits of being in a kingdom, a, a country, but don't you dare try and control our lives. We'll do that for ourselves, thank you very much. And how's that working for us? Jesus hadn't come to win the popular vote or to gain the people's approval. The pomp and ceremony of Palm Sunday did not make Jesus king, just as the absence of it days later could not dethrone him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, regardless of what we do about it. Even if they didn't know it or understand it, even if they didn't believe it or welcome it, their king had come to them and he'd come for them. The crowd could shout either their praises or their curses, but they were powerless to usher in any sort of reign that was going to solve the problems that they faced. And again, not a lot's changed. We still want to choose our our leaders according to what they can do for us. In a democracy like ours, we have the power to elect and to cast out, to make and to break. And don't we love that power? Governments and kingdoms, they rise and fall, but the issues stay pretty much the same. So Jesus rode into Jerusalem in order to fulfill these promises of Scripture in order to fulfill our need for a king. It wasn't about the opinion of the crowd. It was about the determination of this king. Whether they knew it or not, Jesus had come to answer their greeting as he entered Jerusalem. It's fascinating, the cries that we heard in our Matthew reading, we sang it at the start too, Hosanna, Hosanna, we love Hosanna. What do you think Hosanna means? You probably think it means praise or something like that, but it doesn't. Hosanna literally means save us, help us, deliver us. Their king had come righteous and having the very salvation that they needed but not in a way that they expected or probably even wanted. Ironically, their later cries to crucify him would serve to bring about his death. That would save them and us all. Jesus arranged his royal procession with the full knowledge that he would end up being enthroned on a cross with the crown of thorns. See, your king comes to you. The crowd had no real idea about the identity of the king that was among them, despite their their shouts of hosannas and praises, their, their calls to be saved, unaware of the king who had come to see it done. By the end of our Matthew reading, the whole city was stirred up and asked, who is this? And did you notice the answer they gave? They didn't say, oh, this is Jesus, the king. No, they said, 
This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Sounds more like an insult than a confession. Likewise, we might want to be saved from certain things as we elect governments and the like, but, but we might be blind to our need to be saved from all sorts of other things. We don't elect a government to save us from our own failings, do we? To deliver us from evil and all its different forms to deliver us from death. We need help and we can't recognise that help when it's staring us in the face, when it processes past our very eyes. Jesus is the king we need. We don't need one who'd come to be served, but one who had come to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus hadn't come to demand a ransom, which is normally what a king can expect, a ransom, a tribute for being the king. No, he'd come to pay the ransom with his own life so we could be set free and belong to the kingdom of God. As we prepare to enter another holy week, we find ourselves pretty much as spectators in the crowd as we see the unfolding passion drama yet again. We can't offer any assistance to Jesus as he makes his way to the cross. We can't fight for him as the disciples feebly attempted to do at his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. We can't help him bring about his kingdom because this is his task alone. It's a sad irony that within days this, the cry, save us, turned to that insult, save yourself. Jesus ignored the call to save himself, but he answered the cry to save us. Zechariah never got to witness the coronation of a king of Israel, but he foretold the time when God's people would get to rejoice once again, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Our king has come to us. He's come to us on a donkey, on a, a colt, the foal of a donkey. He's come to us on a cross. Our King Jesus died for us. He saved us. And he was also raised to new life for us, which means each and every day we can welcome this King Jesus in our lives. We can welcome his reign over our lives. Jesus remains our King who comes to us who comes to be with us and for us. He doesn't come to control us and coerce us. He comes to set us free so we can live under a king who saves and loves and serves. This king lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit and he will do so now and forever. So, Welcome your King who comes to you today. Amen.
And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your King. Amen. Please stand as you're able to sing our next song.